When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I think about strength, there are so many different types a person can have. It's hard to kind of define the word strength. But here's what I do know. Mental strength has always been a much more important journey in my life than physical strength. What's interesting is that I have depression and anxiety, which I take medication for every single day. Two years ago, if you would have asked me if I was mentally strong, I would have said no. I felt like I had no control over my emotions, and that was so scary to me. I used to think being on medication was an admission of failure, and I pushed through my low moods for years. After a bit of a breakdown, well, actually it was a pretty major breakdown, I finally faced my fears and I went to see a doctor. Now I've come to terms with my mental health, I actually think it takes a very strong person to admit that they need help and that they can't do it alone. Not to say medication is the right thing for everyone, but it's definitely the right thing for me now and my mental health. I feel my strongest when I'm organized. Is that a total control freak thing to admit? If I know I'm on top of my work or my house is clean and I can look at my calendar and see exactly what I'm up to, I feel so great. When all of that stuff is in place, I'm more productive, I think more clearly, and I can be present. I'm learning to let a bit of that go, though. Like right now, I have stacks of clean laundry to put away and it's all just sitting on top of my bed. Before I went on medication, I swear to God, I would never be able to leave the house knowing that those clothes were sitting there. That's just one small example, but those types of things really add up. And it was so consuming. Not to mention how difficult I was to be around. So now, I feel like the strongest person in the world now that I can let some of those little things go. When I think of physical strength, I always think back to my childhood. I'm two years older than my brother, and up until I was around nine years old, I was way stronger than him. The closest I've ever come to wrestling were those sibling fights. We would beat each other up constantly. If there was an issue, it would be solved with fists for sure. I'm not really sure if that's common or not, but we're actually really close now, so... I actually remember the day really clearly when I realized I wasn't stronger than him anymore. We were fighting about something stupid, I'm sure, and he grabbed my arm and held it down. I thought he was going to break my arm, and I couldn't get away. That's pretty much the last time I messed with him, and we finally learned to use our words. My dad used to encourage arm wrestling as well, and I remember feeling so proud if I won against other girls. I loved being stronger. But that was when I was a kid. Now, when I think about my own physical strength, I'd say I'm not totally flimsy, but I'm also not impressively strong. I can only do one push-up, barely, but my legs are a lot stronger than my arms. I'm always quite impressed with how much I can leg press. 
I don't think I ever knew any really physically strong women until recently, actually. I didn't watch sports at all, and I definitely didn't watch wrestling. I have, however, seen female bodybuilding competitions on TV, but I've always just kind of watched it and wondered what would inspire someone to commit to something like that. I follow a lot of different fitness bloggers, and I watch them all in awe. Being strong is cool. I wish I was physically stronger. And I wonder if there's a correlation between physical and mental strength. Do physically fit people have better control of their minds? They definitely have better control over their willpower because this morning, instead of waking up early to go to the gym, I watched Netflix and cleaned my kitchen. I'm Estée Lalonde and welcome to The Heart of It. On this show, I take subjects and explore them through the unique experiences of my guests. And let me tell you, today's guest is fierce. This episode, strength. Strength. What usually comes to mind is muscles, brawn, and all things macho. But moving away from the obvious, strength is totally a woman's game. Yes, men are sometimes physically stronger, but when it comes to other forms of strength, us ladies have got it down. Not only do we do the most physically demanding thing possible, it ain't called labor for nothing, but we also live longer, not to mention inner strength. Yes, there are strong guys out there, but there are also strong women. Today, I'm so excited to be speaking with Emily Reed. Emily and her partner Dan are the founders of EVE, a feminist punk rock wrestling promotion. Now, hearing that, you can kind of guess what Emily looks like, but let me describe her for you. She's a pink-haired, half-shaved on one side, leather jacket-wearing feminist punk. And when I watched the videos with her, she came across really softly spoken and gentle. Now, whoever said wrestling is a man's game has never seen Eve wrestling. It's high-energy, dramatic, fun, loud, and full of powerful, strong, kick-ass women. The first time I watched these videos, I was glued to the screen. I swear my jaw hit my keyboard. These girls are into it, and they're doing an incredible job. The taglines for Eve say it all. Fight like a girl, smash the patriarchy, fuck gender roles, and follow your fucking dreams. As the matriarch of Eve, Emily has described the promotion as a community and a sport that has helped her through her mental difficulties and given her a whole new kind of strength. Hello. Hello, Emily. Hi. Hi, I'm Estee. Nice to meet you. You too. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. And I'm actually, I think I'm the most nervous to talk to her out of any of my podcast guests because I know nothing about wrestling. Like, I really, literally know nothing about it. And I just want her to take me seriously. So, I don't know. I'm quite nervous and I want to kind of come across like, you know, I'm a tough cookie too. Can you define what strength means to you? Is it mental? Is it physical? Is it both? What's your definition of strength? When I think of strong people, I do actually think of 
mental strength first, the people who can stand up and stand firm in what they believe in, even with everything going against them. And yeah, there, there is obviously physical strength as well. But I, I think the one that really sticks out is, is mental strength and standing strong in, in your true beliefs. Do you think that mental strength helps you be better at your physical training in wrestling? Yes, I think you have to be incredibly mentally strong to keep going through what, as fun as Eve is, that also wrestling can be a very toxic environment. It's also so tiring and it's so punishing on the body. You have to be mentally strong along with physically strong to get through in this business. Who were your female role models growing up? Like, who did you really look at like, yeah, I want to be like that? I loved Buffy. I thought she was incredible. So strong, yet so funny still. But I'm a book reader as well. So before that, I had Nancy Drew, who if I, I, I'm scared to read it back because I'm sure they're dreadfully sexist in places. <laughs> but I didn't pick up on that as a child. She was just awesome and a detective. And Discworld, which I still don't think anything has matched it. You've got these old women just absolutely kicking ass and just being completely incredible it's got nothing to do with their looks it's got nothing to do with their age they're just brilliant powerful women i've never heard of is it discworld i have no idea what that is it's a series written by terry pratchett and one of them follows witches as a character and i can't do it justice apart from to say they are amazing I always loved witches and witch stories when I was growing up and none of my friends really did and they didn't really get that. But what do you like about witches? I always thought of them as the women that men were frightened of. So I just fell in love with witches, these powerful women that could stride around and no one could stop them from doing things and they could truly be them. And I got really interested in folklore and social anthropology. So I loved reading up and finding that a lot of these women were almost like herbalists and they were the midwives and they were the opinionated women or the unattractive women. And I just found it fascinating and horrifying and sad that men have turned on women for a very long time. Not all men, but you just there's something that will trigger that make people hate strong women. Actually, women do as well. You do get a lot from women hating strong women. It's sad. There are a lot of mentally strong women in history, and we all know about them, and especially in leadership. Um, they're often referred to as battle axes and, you know, people are really threatened by them. But then there's mm -hmm. someone like, you know, Churchill, who is seen as more stern and stoic. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people have an issue with strong women? I wish I knew because I don't understand it. And it's happened for so long. And it's not just men. And I'm terrible because I always say men and it's not men and women are frightened of strong women. And I wish I knew why. I think what Emily said just then does have a ring of truth to it. I hate to admit this, but even I've been threatened by other strong women. But sometimes it's hard not to feel jealous or inadequate. Sometimes when I see really awesome ladies in positions of power or just being cool... It makes me feel a little weak, which sucks. Shouldn't be that way. So I'm just curious, how did wrestling come about? When was the day that you were like, yeah, I think wrestling's for me? Um, 
it was a punishment. <laughs> I was a bookworm. So whereas with my sisters, they could be grounded or if they misbehaved, they could be sent to their room. I couldn't because that's where my books were. So as a punishment, I was made to sit with my dad and watch what he was watching on telly. And he was a fan of snooker, which is awful. And he'd watch American football, which I just, I'm not an American football fan, it would appear. And he'd watch wrestling and I fell in love with it. I genuinely don't know what is appealing. And that's what I want to get to the bottom of. What do you like about watching it? Heroes and villains. That's what it is. With books and loving fantasy, you always have the good guys and you have the bad guys and you have the underdogs fighting and making it to the top and, and you get excitement and drama and comedy. And all of that is in wrestling. So watching it from a child's perspective, you can see it as just a very simple story of hero versus villain. <laughs> Then I started watching Japanese wrestling, which didn't have any English commentary. <laughs> and I got to see that stories can be told with no words. And I was watching these wrestling matches and I was bonding with these wrestlers through their facial expressions. I knew what they felt. I knew how they hardly had anything left. I knew someone was going to be sneaky or anything. I, I could just feel so much and really bond with these characters when I didn't speak the language at all. And so to me, wrestling had everything. And I found it incredible to see this new way of telling stories. The only thing I do know about wrestling is that they wear pretty cool outfits, tiny little bras and underwear sometimes, and that they always have their own theme songs. My favorite, favorite song to do karaoke to is Eye of the Tiger. And I know every single word, so I would definitely be Eye of the Tiger. I've never really thought about what my wrestling outfit would be, but I know sequins would be involved. I love sequins so much. As far as the color, I don't know. I think because I'm so pale, I would go with like an all white outfit because it's like so pure, but I think that's that's my tactic. Like I want people to think I'm a little angelic and then I'm gonna sneak up behind them and I'm gonna smash a chair on their head. He's gonna do it. I feel like my name would have to be like Angelica, but what's the second part that's gonna bring it home and like bring the grit? This is the only thing coming to mind and I can't get rid of it. I don't even know if it's good, but I think I'd be Angelica Doom. Ah, <sighs> I can see it now. Welcome to the ring, Angelica Doom. Can you tell me a little bit about Eve and how you started it and why you started it? Was it something that was really necessary in the wrestling world? It was so very necessary. Professional wrestling is a male-dominated industry. I'm actually only one of a handful of women who promote pro wrestling. I think there are five women who are wrestling promoters in the whole world. That's insane. It was very, very typical on a pro wrestling show with eight to ten matches that there'd only be one women's match. It would last around five minutes. The female wrestlers would be portrayed and encouraged to just act as eye candy. And also when being announced, instead of being announced as wrestlers like the men, 
they would actually be called things like divas or knockouts or foxes. Oh, and obviously things like pudding matches and pillow fights and bra and panties matches, which is where to win the match, you have to strip your opponent. And they were conditioning the audience to find women's wrestling laughable and to not take that seriously, but also to see women not just as inferior, but just as sex objects. And it was awful because there were women who were growing up and say they'd seen Japanese wrestling or they'd seen uh, people like Alondra Blaze wrestle in WWE when they were growing up. And they thought, I want to be just like them. And they'd go and they'd train. And if they weren't pretty, they wouldn't get any matches. And if they were pretty, they might get matches, but they'd be told you're not allowed to be as good as the men or they just wouldn't be given that chance. I saw an even nastier side of that when I started training. I saw uh, the slut shaming of female trainees. Uh, You'd have some guys grab at you during training. You'd have vile jokes slung your way all the time. Yeah, it was disgusting and it was constant. It's so interesting to me the different standards we hold men and women to. For instance, if a guy sleeps around and he's boinked everyone under the sun, it's like, yeah, lad, lad, lad. (laughs) But if a girl does the same thing, it's like, she's disgusting, she's dirty. But they're doing the same thing, and it takes two to tango, people. Similarly, if a woman is weak, we often see her as the damsel in distress, waiting to be saved. But if a guy is weak, it's like, get your act together, go lift some weights, bro. I was 19 and pretty naive and I didn't really know how to handle it. I knew how to shoot people down. Uh, I didn't let anyone give me any pet names. I didn't let anyone try and like help me up onto the ring. If people groped me, they regretted it very, very quickly. But the thing that annoyed me is I didn't have what it took to stand up for the other girls I'd hear things about. Mm. So when they were slut shaming women, I didn't have the confidence to tell them to stop. And it was just a bad situation for me to be in and I wasn't able to tackle it. And then I met my husband who was actually on the list of people that I shouldn't have been (laughs) interested in (laughs) because he worked he worked in wrestling and he was running wrestling shows. And I fell in love for him. He was raised by a single mum. She worked two jobs to keep everything going. She got cancer when he was 13 and he dropped out of school to become a young carer and he saw just how strong women can be fighting through this and trying to keep this going and trying to keep money coming in and so he always saw women as strong and powerful individuals and he loves wrestling so the other side of it that he kept seeing was these awful matches being done by women he knew could do better it's an art form that he loves so when he sees this art being done badly gets really angry so when you added his always seeing women as strong and hating bad wrestling to my passion to make a change and to give women these platforms where they could actually have the opportunity that the men had we realized we could do something about it I just want to say I think it's really inspirational that you and your husband kind of saw this issue and you talked about how you didn't feel strong enough to use your voice back then but You've clearly used your voice and all of your strength and energy to create this, which is, you know, doing a lot more probably than just saying for one girl, like, hey, maybe stop doing that. You're now having a voice for all women in wrestling, which I think is pretty cool. Do you ever sit back and think, 
wow, like look what I'm doing. Looking back on what we've done and what we've achieved, that we're providing this platform, that's cool. And it's great that I've had the ability to work with people I've admired so much. But I don't get that wowed because I'm not done yet and I'm only just getting started. We fought to get this platform to where it is and I'm going bigger and I'm not stopping. (laughs) Boom. I mean, I don't know if I have the confidence or strength to, to say what you just said, which is like, I'm not done yet because I think it's kind of instilled in us to be a little bit modest and, you know, not be too ambitious. So I love the fact that you're like, there's a lot more that's going to be going on. There was a time in my life where I was a little embarrassed or reluctant to tell people that I felt like I was an ambitious person. I think part of it for me was telling people like, I'm going to do great things and I want to do this and I was going to do that. And it was the fear of failure. So I never wanted to tell people like, I'm going to go out and do this and not be able to do it. So I think with some confidence that I've had over the past few years, I'm more comfortable saying that I'm ambitious. What it was, I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. It's an awful way of doing it. But I had a breakdown and after you have a full mental breakdown, you have to try and piece everything in your brain back together again. And it just can't all fit. And it's very difficult. And so there was that bit of me that behaved. And there was a the bit of me that knew how to put on airs and graces in an upper class environment. And there was a the bit of me that knew how to try and be that typical girl that I was never quite able to do. And I just thought, oh, fuck that. And I didn't put that bit in. Mm. (laughs) And so for me, I don't lie anymore. And I will stand up and be open and honest and loud because I genuinely never bothered trying to work on putting that piece of my personality back in. So for me, it wasn't hard to let go of it because it had all gone. I just didn't put it back. But I think it's an important thing for people to work through. It's very liberating. I like that kind of visual description and I can just kind of see an image of like someone putting stuff back in their brain and being like, nope, that's not going to go back in there. I do. I wish I could have like said that to the bipolar, (laughs) (laughs) like uh, let's not put any depression or anxiety or the painful manic bits back in, but they just, they're just part of me sadly. But yes, that part of me that tried to conform, that's just gone. Wow. So I'm not sure if you're like comfortable talking about your your mental health, but I would be so curious, like when did that kind of start for you and those struggles start for you? And how when did you kind of realize that, you know, I guess after the breakdown that you needed to do something about it? Uh, I'm completely comfortable talking about it. I think it's really important that people do talk about it more, mainly because like everybody knows the symptoms you have for a cold and understands them. So you get a snotty nose. You can't control that. It's what your body's doing. But nobody ever says, you haven't showered for a week. You can't help that. That's just a symptom of your depression. And I really wish people would because it makes mental health worse when you're ashamed of yourself and when you're too frightened to say to someone, look, I haven't done the washing up for like four days. And if we could just be honest and people could be open and understand that that's a symptom, they could step in and help you. And you would know when you haven't done the washing up for four days, hey, I'm not okay at the moment. Not I'm lazy and a pathetic adult. But yes, your question, mental health problems, 
when I was diagnosed, they said that I've had it forever, that I've always been bipolar. And they came to that conclusion going all the way back. I had a lot of time off primary school. My mum files everything. So still had the little slips that she had to send in to the school to say why I was off school. And they all just said Emily was unwell. And she never had a reason. It wasn't Emily had a cold or, you know, stomachache or or anything. Going back and looking at it, they just didn't know what was wrong with me. I just couldn't get out of bed sometimes. Now I know I had depression sometimes, even at five, six years old. My moods would always flip from one extreme to another. I didn't know it was abnormal to feel like that, but I did know that I was abnormal. And although I had friends, I was always referred to as strange but I was comfortable with being strange I liked that I didn't think like them I liked that I didn't have that big drive to fit in that I could try but I was happier being me but yeah I was always different but then when the hormones hit it was awful and that's when it started getting very bad but I was told that mental health was not a real thing and that medicine for mental health was just to sedate and calm you down and you know it was treating a fake illness and it was all in your head that's everything that I heard so I lied to the doctor whenever they spoke to me so it's very very easy if you've been told that mental health is not a thing and that it's weakness to just lie and not get given antidepressants and it wasn't until Oh, was I 24? Maybe the problem is near my breakdown is time is very confused because I lost a big chunk of time in my life. But I realized that I really wasn't okay. And I had tried every single complementary therapy you can name. I have tried it from lightning process, crystal healing, kinesiology, chiropractors. And I'm not saying that none of them are any good. I'm saying that if you have a chemical imbalance in your brain, you probably need actual medical help. So I tried all of that and I realized that maybe I really wasn't very well and and maybe actually it wasn't a a weakness and maybe I should talk to the doctors. And I went to the doctor and they just said, oh, you have depression and gave me antidepressants. But it turns out if you are bipolar and you just take antidepressants, it's very, very bad. Mm. And I have a, a very bad reaction. And then I broke and I remember breaking very clearly. That memory will not leave me I owned a health food shop and I was behind the counter and I became very very suicidal and I was using a box opener to hurt myself and then I decided that I would go kill myself and out of the shop if I turned right it was the way to the train station but my shop also happened to be directly next door to my doctor's surgery and that was to the left and I just stood outside there I'd locked up the shop and I stood there And I went to turn right and a woman walked past with a buggy and she was holding her little girl's hand. And I thought maybe I should go to the doctors because I have children. And I went to the doctors and they were amazing. They sat me down. They made sure I got help and I got sectioned under the Mental Health Act, which was very much needed. And I was grateful and happy for all of this at the time because it was finally people saying you're not well. And because my brain had broken, I just needed someone to look after me and it took all the pressure away the because the next thing I remember was laying on in my room in the hospital and it was just like a big exhale I just thought I can be okay now 
because I didn't have to hold any of the crazy in anymore. It was just let it out and and get better. Wow. Well, firstly, I just want to thank you for being so open and speaking so eloquently about that. I was just so lost in your story. I just, it felt so real. And I think that that's so important if you can share those stories, because for a lot of people, I think they hear that word breakdown and they maybe don't know what that means. Like, what is a breakdown? And I think the way you just described it, especially how you could either go right or you could go left. And I think for some people, like, there really is that choice. And I think it's really interesting what you said about feeling like that when you were young, because I remember feeling low from as young as like six years old as well. And I always just thought like, why am I not as fun as all my friends? And what's wrong with me? And really, that's when the weakness within me sort of started. And then exactly like you said, like with mental health, how it feels weak to admit that you have issues, you know, but now I know that it's not. And I think the way we, we talk about it is definitely going to change the way people feel about it. Listening to her speak about this really reminded me of that low point in my life. When I finally did talk to people about how I was feeling, it was such a relief. I finally felt like I didn't have to go through life all on my own. I didn't have to carry this heavy burden on my shoulders. And as soon as I talked to someone about how I was feeling, I felt instantly lifted. And weirdly enough, that left more room for me to grow stronger. Let's just talk about the wrestling because I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it. Talk me through a show. So it's, is it like a Friday night at seven kind of vibe? What happens? We run in a disused railway arch that's now an avant-garde art gallery and performance space. We run an afternoon show and an evening show, all of them standing room only, all 18 plus. And I suppose it has got that Friday night feel. We're running on a Saturday. It's a very interactive show. So the wrestlers are talking to the crowd and the matches themselves can do anything from comedy to high drama. So it's a very unique experience, a beautiful atmosphere. We have a little show reel, which I think shows off the kind of company we are quite well. Oh, I've I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> Let me just describe this show reel for you. It starts off with some drumming music. Lots of drumming music. Your heart's getting pumping. Next thing you know, you see some women slamming against the ropes. They're giving each other the middle finger. They're slapping each other in the face. They're throwing drinks in each other's faces. They're screaming at each other. The crowd is going wild. Some really embrace the punk lifestyle and they're like totally decked out in punk stuff. But then there's also the women who are kind of more like Barbie-esque. The overall vibe of the showreel is... We were talking earlier about the way women are kind of portrayed in something like WWE, where it's like very sex, you know, objects and things like that. I watched the reel and obviously there's still like a sexiness to the women who wrestle. But how do you kind of flip that and make it empowering for the women? I think this is going to sound strange. I think every single one of our wrestlers is sexy as hell, because what I think is sexy as hell is someone being comfortable and confident in themselves. 
I know what you mean because like when I watched it at first I was like Jesus but <laughs> but then as I got into it I was like it is kind of hot and I think I know why it's because the women wrestlers are really not thinking about their appearance at all like they're really not thinking "Ooh, do I look good from this angle or this and that they're so raw if that makes sense exactly it's a different kind of sexiness if they're thinking about something it's putting on the best performance and it's not about being sexy so I used to have a personal trainer and I had like a few sessions with him and he'd make me do these workouts and I was so concerned about like grunting and like I basically barely worked out with this guy because he'd be like lift this weight and I'd be like like it, it's really hard you know but then I'd see like a couple girls in the gym being like Ugh! that is like not for me at all so like I think to give up that like control and just like be okay with making those noises and sweating like I was on the treadmill yesterday and my upper lip was sweating and I immediately was like need to get a towel this is disgusting <laughs> so oh god I don't think I could ever really be a wrestler so something that came up um, with my last guest uh, named Akila Hughes, she's a comedian. She mentioned how sometimes guys get turned off when they find out that she's funny. And I'm just wondering if it's ever come up with you or maybe somebody that you work with. Do men ever, you know, kind of get threatened a little bit or get turned off by the strength? Absolutely. I got dumped midway through a date. Um, I'm five foot ten, so I'm pretty tall for a woman. And so I was on a date and the guy was pretty much the same size as me, but I'd worn heels. Again, I didn't realize that that might make him feel inferior. And he was like really huffy the whole way through uh, the film we watched. And then walking down, he kept making comments about my height. And then I picked something up and he noticed that I was muscular as well. And he just went, oh, God, I bet if we got mugged, you'd be better at defending this than I would. And I just went, yeah, probably, because that was true. He was pretty scrawny. <laughs> and then he dumped me. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh this, is a, this is unexpected. Generically, you know, you hear girls being like, I really want a muscular guy. But I've heard about these strength fetishes where there's guys out there who like to get piggyback rides and just generally like to be picked up by really strong women. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, definitely. There are men who like dominant women. But I try and flip it the other way sometimes. And I feel there are loads of women I know who would love a like six foot six strong guy to sweep them off their feet and spin them around like they don't weigh a thing why can't a man want that too because that's kind of normal for a woman to want to be able to be picked up by their partner that's not particularly strange but I feel bad for the guys who aren't allowed to want that yeah it's a really good point actually and another thing I'm really curious to hear what you think about is fitspiration on things like Instagram and I've been noticing a lot more women using weights and there's these movements online like girls who lift and things like that. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's a good thing? Someone fitspiration I think is awful and some of it I think is great. Fitspiration can be hijacked by people who have extremely unhealthy lifestyles and that's what I'm not keen on. I think women should absolutely be strong and I think they should be strong in the way that they want to be. Lifting weights and feeling physically stronger is unbelievably empowering. I felt that my mental health was stronger when I was physically stronger. I felt more in control and less scared 
of everything. All right. Well, I want to know what you think the future of female wrestling is. I think the future of women's wrestling is pro wrestling Eve. (laughs) I think we are helping women not just reach that level. We were helping them develop further and get better at what they do because of being given the opportunity to do it more often. Practice makes perfect. WWE are noticing. And I think a lot of the women that work for us will end up working for them. We are making a lot of noise and WWE can hear us and they are going to have to start changing what they do. They already have. And I think they will change more and more. I think it will take a long time and I think they will do it very slowly, but they will change and it will improve from women because there's Eve and I think there will be other companies like us who just keep making noise and won't let it drop. And I will keep making a fuss until it's actually equal like it's supposed to be. And so, yeah, I think we're the future because I'm here and I know I'm not going to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for talking to me, Emily. It's been so up and down and I've learned a lot. (laughs) No, thank you so much for having me on. Bye. Bye. I think what struck me the most when talking to Emily is that strong can look like a lot of different things. I mean, you might look at her and get that she's strong and see that, yeah, she's doing this cool wrestling thing. But actually, like, the amount of strength it took her to do all of that, and especially when you hear her mental health story, I just think the strength runs deep within her. After having that conversation, I do have a better understanding of what strength is. I'm realizing that strength is different for everyone and it's all about finding that thing within you that makes you feel strong and makes you feel powerful. If you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, ooh, I don't feel strong, you probably are a lot stronger than you think. And I think sometimes it takes strength to admit that you're strong. Whenever people say, oh, Estee, you're so brave for moving across the world, I'm always like, really? It wasn't that big of a deal. But it did take bravery, and that takes strength. And I think it's important to kind of reflect on those moments in your life where you were strong. I think that can even build more strength, because you're like, yeah, I can do this. And then you can build more confidence, and then you're stronger. Strength isn't just physical. I was really surprised to hear about Emily's mental health journey. I feel like the way she told the story was so real, and... I like that. You don't hear it that often. And I was just really in awe that she did that. It does take strength to do that. I definitely saw similarities in our stories, but the whole time she was telling it, I was kind of thinking, I wasn't that bad. You know, I wasn't considering suicide ever. And it's interesting because I felt the lowest I had ever felt And I could barely go on at that stage, so I just can't imagine how someone like her felt to the point where you are actually considering doing something like that. It really helped me put things into perspective, and I'm just really glad that she's well now, and I'm glad that I am too. This episode was brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang. It was hosted by me, Estée Lalonde, and featured wrestling matriarch Emily Reed from Pro Wrestling Eve. 
It was executive produced by Harry Watson. The assistant producer was Holly Aquilina, edited by Jamie Patterson, and the producer was Natalia Rodriguez. If you want to find out more about Emily and Pro Wrestling Eve, go to www.evewrestling.com. This is kind of a weird story, but after watching The Craft, I went to my local bookstore and I went to the witchcraft section, which, which, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, God.